We've got Shayna Goldman right now, <laughs> NHL staff writer for The Athletic, co-host of the Too Many Men podcast. Shayna, how's it going? We're phoning a friend. It's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on with us. We're in the midst of a, a debate that's only meant to, to hurt our own feelings and in pondering whether on today's date we'd prefer to have Edmonton's goaltending tandem or the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending tandem with Matt Murray uh, and Samsonov. And I know you wrote about Samsonov a little bit the other day, but, but where do you sit on, on that right now? Okay. Uh, it's a loaded question to bring you in on. All right, I'm I'm actually going to go with the Leafs tandem. Um, are we are we counting cap hits? Or are we just talking purely performance? Uh, probably performance. Okay, Jack Campbell would give me anxiety to have as a goaltender. <laughs> there, he seems like a very nice person, and I think it's wonderful for him that he got paid. But like from a management standpoint, that is a terrible contract. And then you look at the performance this season, and I know he's been better as of late, but so is the team in front of him. It's it just it's too hot or cold. It's really all over the place. It's tough to pick up patterns. Like, if you can look back at last year, his good start got completely wiped out and then just dragged through the mud because he was so bad after that that I would not want that on my team any day of the week. And Stuart Skinner has been great. But I don't know. I, I feel like if Matt, we know what Matt Murray can do if he's healthy and if he's, like, on his game. So there's that potential there. And we've seen what he's done in the playoffs and things like that. So... You know, those odds are okay. And Samsonov has been really good. Like, he's legitimately played well. So that's the goalie I'm, like, gravitating towards of all four. So that's the tandem I'm going to pick that he's in. Yeah, that's probably the, the smart call to make on TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, I would say. <laughs> you, you definitely know your audience at the very least. But honestly, I, I think I might I might lean that way also because I think of the four, Samsonov is probably playing the best hockey this season. And you wrote about this uh, in The Athletic, the, uh, was it yesterday, day before perhaps, talking about the, the RFAs who are poised to get paid this summer. And you had our guy, Ilya Samsonov, on that list. Uh, what do you think his value would be this upcoming offseason? And do you see... The the least being able to to bring him back would they prioritize bringing back Samsonov if, if he can continue to do what he's done this year so I think the thing is for him anything is kind of a raise at this point because he's not making much this season and rightfully so you know he probably didn't earn it after you know his time with Capitals and there's still a caution that I think has to be taken with him because you know it's one season and if you look at his full body work there's a little bit more chaos involved there the good thing is that Toronto is a very strong team in front of the net that, you know, they're such a strong possession team. They don't force their goaltenders to face a ton. So that's something they can feel pretty confident in. If I'm a team, do I long-term commit him? Absolutely not. You know, and with Maple Leafs current situation, you look at how they have to maximize the next couple of years so much. So it's, you definitely don't want to like handcuff yourself into anything, but I think that you could go pretty safely into a two-year contract with him and maybe try to get to that three to five million dollar range. But even five, I think, might be a little bit high for someone who, at his best, is a one A. I don't think he's a true starter. I don't think he's up at that level. So if they go three, five, four, something like that, like that might be a sweet spot for like a year or two because you give yourself flexibility for a very strong backup or, you know, 1B goaltender, and you still have Murray. So those are the considerations that I would go with. And obviously a player might want more security than that, but I just don't think uh, he's earned it in this for this team, for this situation, for his whole career. Like, it's just not there for me anything longer than that. Right. I, I actually don't know. What was your take on uh, this tandem that Kyle Dubas put together 
back on, on free agency, and, and how has it changed over the course of, of the first bit of the season here? If it so has at all, I, I guess. I didn't hate it. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't hate it day one. You know, it's a risk. It's the biggest risk that they have is their goaltending, and they're a team that, you know, they're saying we're so good in front of them. You know, we can out-possess our opponents, and we can finish our chances, and we have all this talent that goaltending is kind of like the last piece, and we've seen it with other teams. Like, you look to the Colorado Avalanche, specifically in the playoffs, and super small sample, only so much we can take from that. But if you can be a dominant team in front of the goals, you can get away with average goaltending. You can even maybe get away with below, you know, slightly below average goaltending, which they were getting for much of the playoffs. Obviously, it took great goaltending to help get them there. So, I, I mean, it didn't concern me as much because, again, it's knowing Matt Murray's strengths and what he can be, but the injury history, that's, that's the concern. So having someone that's capable to pick up the slack if needed is so important. That's what they got, you know, in Samsonov. But is it the perfect goaltending tandem? Absolutely not. But it makes sense that, like, you can go a little riskier there if you're so confident about the team elsewhere. In conversation with Shannon Goldman, uh, NHL writer for The Athletic and co-host of the Too Many Men podcast, uh, what do you think is maybe the biggest question that the Maple Leafs still need to answer between now and the NHL trade deadline? Uh, I mean, they have the biggest question is going to be what are they going to do in the playoffs? Like, the regular season only matters so much to them. Like, they're pretty much lost into their playoff matchup. So it's how between now and then are they going to properly prepare themselves to take on most likely the Tampa Bay Lightning? And how are they going to, you know, not just focus on the one matchup, but, but the playoffs as, as a whole? The goal is going to be a long playoff run. So if I'm in their position, it's how do we finish our chances more consistently? That's what I think is holding the team back. You know, the goaltending is fine enough. The offensive generation and shot suppression at five on five is fine. You know, the power play and the penalty kill, there's enough that's fine. It's how do you ensure that you can finish your chances a little bit more? And what can you do to put this team in a better position to do that? So I'm curious if there's anybody internally, I guess maybe the easy answer would be Austin Matthews, but is there anybody else you think can um, help with that internally on the, on the Leafs? Yeah, I mean, you know, they have finishing talent throughout the lineup. You have John Ferris, who's shooting the puck more this season, getting to the quality areas, and playing with Mitch Marner's really helped them with that because you have, you know, this elite passer and two-way presence that can put him in a position to succeed. And obviously there were, like, individual improvements from Tavares, so that helps. You have Nylander, who's kicked his game up a notch, but it's, it's getting that scoring lower in the lineup. And, you know, I think the lineup now kind of shows if there's any injuries, the whole makeup of the team is going to change if anyone is out from the top six. So it's getting that. Uh, I think they need an outside presence to help them, especially on, like, the third line, get a little bit more scoring. And then they have a little bit more security if anything happens to anyone on the top six. So interesting. The Leafs have come, like, full circle. They used to score six goals a game, and <laughs> that's how they would win, and now they need to score more. Uh, we're with Shana Goldman right now. Let's go around the division a bit. You and Dom wrote about the Dylan Cousins signing yesterday. You rated it, or you graded it, rather, an A. What got you guys to that uh, to that letter? Uh, Dylan Cousins is a really good player, and, you know, I, I like the best teams are taking, paying these players right after their entry-level contracts or sooner into their careers. It's Totally different when you're committing to, say, a 22-year-old for seven years versus 27-year-old. Because yeah. if things don't work out, you could probably move the contract. You're probably not as handcuffed to it as you would be otherwise. And, you know, he's a really good player. He obviously doesn't have the longest track record at the NHL level, but there's 
all the draft pedigree that they knew about him, and now they're seeing it at the NHL level. And what's so impressive with Cousins specifically is that at 5-on-5, five five, he's generally not on that top line with Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck that would put him in the best position to succeed. He's played with guys like Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka, who were both good, but he's the driver of that line. So I think individually him standing out so much at 5-on-5 five five could give confidence into a bet like that. So I'm a fan of the contract and overall this trend around the league. So I need to give you so much credit because you're smarter than most of the people on this planet when it comes to predicting what happens in the National Hockey League because not a lot of people were high in the Boston Bruins at the start of the season, but you picked them to win the whole damn thing when there were some who thought maybe... I didn't, not to win the whole thing, to lose in the Stanley Cup final. Lose in the Stanley Cup, but make it to the Stanley Cup final. Like, I mean, have they even exceeded your expectations, though? Because obviously they far and exceeded what I thought they were going to do. But as someone who at the beginning of the year said, yes, team could make it to the Cup final, despite all those injuries and adversity that they had to face, I mean, how much more impressive have their season even been than you imagined it would be? Yeah, I thought they were going to be good, and I thought it was just a matter of them making the playoffs. It didn't matter where they slotted. It's just get in and see what can happen. And you look at what we expected to happen, and that's probably a weaker team to start the season with some tweaks from coaching to see how they can better maximize players. You expected players like Jake DeBrusque to step up, maybe not to this extent, so quickly. Um, And it was kind of like navigating the waters without some of their best, without Marchand, without... Uh, McAvoy for a time, but, you know, considering the impacts of what Bergeron can still do on his own and what Pashnok could do on his own and what the return of David Krejci would mean and having good goaltenders and then having Hampus Lindholm, who we saw thrive after the trade deadline when he's in a different environment. So all of that still looks like a good team to me. Maybe not to the extent that we saw, though, before the players started returning from injury. So I really thought they'd be a team that they'd be fine and they'd still manage without their top players, but once they got everyone back, they would start thriving, you know, be in the playoff mix, maybe in like the third spot or a top wild card seat, and then just blow through the playoffs because they have players who are rested, ready to go, and, you know, had enough time to figure out how everything works under their new coaching staff. They are better than I expected, though, because they were crushing it without players in their lineup, and then they got even better. Like, they are the best team in the league right now without question. Yeah. What is the most intriguing part about the most intriguing storyline, rather, in the Atlantic Division right now? Is it the battle happening between Tampa and the Leafs for home ice? Is it what you were just talking about and what the Boston Bruins are doing? Is it the way that Florida's fallen off this year? Is it the way that Buffalo seems to be making a push for it uh, down the stretch here? What stands out to you? It's definitely the race for that wild card seed between Buffalo and Florida because I thought Florida would be worse especially once they lost Uyghur, you take a weak blue line and you make it even weaker. And I know he's had, you know, mistakes in the playoffs that are super glaring, and that's what we think of because we're all so biased that, like, we think of those standout plays, but, like, he's a legitimately good defender. Um, And I thought they were going to hurt from not having him, but, you know, and some of the forward depth that they lost, all of that I thought was going to culminate to a team that's worse than last year's team, but not to this extent. Uh, coaching has had a way worse impact than I thought it would. I didn't like the coaching choice then. I still don't like it. Um, I'm surprised how an Ekblad game has changed without Uyghur. We really, you know, we've seen Uyghur without Ekblad when Ekblad was hurt, but we haven't seen Ekblad without Uyghur that much in recent years. And it's a huge change. So how poorly they're performing is the one half, and the other half is how well Buffalo is playing because they're so ahead of schedule. 
and they're actually like adding some spice to this playoff run. And even if they don't make it, it's a really good chance for them. And we see the growth of players. We see breakout performances. We see players like Tage Thompson building on what we've been seeing last year in Darlene too. And we see a really strong impact from coaching. So it's so opposite of what Florida has going on. Well, I, another positive storyline, and I guess something that's been a big surprise this year, is uh, Eric Carlson and his resurgence. He had a three-point night last night sitting on my bench in fantasy, I might add. No. Very upsetting about that. <laughs> but uh, that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but yeah, three points against uh, Tampa Bay. I think he's up to like 69, 70 points or something like that. He leads all of the NHL in points at five-on-five. Five. Um, you know, Eric Carlson, are, are you a believer that this guy is, is back to being what he was? Like, do you think that there's a team that would, that would be willing to roll the dice and trade for Eric Carlson at some point here in the next calendar year? Yes, and I think a team should be. The thing with Eric Carlson is, like, traditional aging curves are going to tell us that players decline. They start declining into their 30s, and it gets more drastic as they age, and injuries can wear them down, types of play, you know, all of that can can wear down a player sooner. If you're a net front player, you're probably going to age, you know, worse than someone who doesn't have a lot of contact in their game. Elite players still follow that same trajectory, but where they start is so different from where they fall that their fall might be above average still because they had, you know, way more room to drop off versus the average player who goes from being average to terrible. Um, so for Eric Carlson, I think we're seeing the impact of the injuries that he's suffered over the last few years. And, you know, leg injuries have really worn on his game. There was the ankle, the groin, the repeating issues there. That it seems like the fact that he had a true offseason to really just not rehab from an injury but train in a traditional way has been really strong and really helped his game. And that's why I think a big reason why he's, you know, rebounded so much because the skills don't just disappear. And this is a player who, yes, is going to decline, but, like, look at where that decline might be. It's still going to be above average. This is stronger than that, but, you know, the last couple of years, he has a lot to make up for, and I, I just think that the fact that he's doing it, not to start the season, but consistently doing it, it's so impressive, and the fact that he's doing it on a team that's so bad is even more impressive. This isn't him being pumped up by anyone else, and I'm sure it helps, too, that, you know, he's not splitting those minutes with Brent Burns like on the power player in offensive situations. He's the player that's going to get him, and he's going to run with that opportunity, and it looks like he has. Uh, in conversation with Shana Goldman of The Athletic, uh, I'm curious, what's a team around the National Hockey League that you think will have a nice rebound, I guess, from a tough first uh, half of the season that'll have a good uh, you know, a good record down the stretch and really put themselves in a prime position to compete in the playoffs. And then if what goes up must come down on the other side, who's a team that you think maybe falls out of it a little bit down the stretch? Uh, that's a good question. So Ottawa, maybe we could use as an example for a team that might rebound because their beginning was so tough. But I think at the end of the day, like, unless they add someone on defense, that ceiling's only so high. So I'm going to go with Colorado. Maybe it's cheating a little, but they had a ton of injuries to start the year, and I don't think we've seen them at full strength yet. And that hurt them because they can't assess positions that I think they were hoping they'd get to in the first half, like second-line center. Can they get away with someone like Evan Rodriguez or Alex Newhook with Valmichushkin and Gabriel Landeskog, you know, on that player's wings? And they haven't gotten a chance for that. So I think that hurt them a lot. Um, but it does feel like things are starting to trend in the right direction for them. And I think they're the team to watch, to not just be a wildcard team, but to really, like, make some noise in the central division and start pushing teams like Minnesota, who I think they're stronger than and 
you know, challenge Winnipeg a bit, who we saw take a little slide recently. I think Winnipeg is going to be fine, but I think Colorado could kind of challenge for where they are in the standing. So that's a team for me to rebound. Um, the team to regress is probably Vegas. Uh, this team is not as strong without Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they're very good. Had a great start to the year. We're seeing some positive changes from coaching. We've seen some positive changes in the power play. But, like, at the end of the day, this is one of the weakest rosters that they've put out since the first season because they've had to move so many players out because of the cap, you know, moves they've made this whole time. So that's going to hurt them. And now you're without your best player, you know, a two-way player. We see the differences in Jack Eichel's game specifically when Stone is or isn't in the lineup. So they're a team I could see sliding a bit. Still can make the playoffs, and we'll see if they can pull any moves out if they have any assets left to do that at the deadline. But you know, no matter what, you lose your best player, you're going to hurt. Yeah, where are you at with the Oilers right now? We were just talking about them before we brought you in. Al's brother gave a bold pre- prediction that he thinks not that they can... bold, but... Well, it's not that bold, <laughs> but that they can maybe win the Pacific. Where are you at with them? Was was Evander Kane like that much of a difference maker? What, what's looked different to them, uh, about them to you, rather, in, in this stretch that they've heated up? So I think that they're going to be a team to watch in the playoffs because we've seen what they can do when literally Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl oh, yeah. is the only players doing anything. Forty <laughs> percent um, of a Leon Dreisaitl, I might add. Crazy. Like, yeah, exactly. They can will their team so far, um, but I think it stops at a certain point. Uh, Zach Hyman, I think, has been like the key to a lot of this. I think he's really picked it up this year because this is a player that you know, if you look at the calendar year 2022 has uh, one of the most, like, amount of backhands above expected, but his forehand with his wrist and snapshot, like, he legitimately couldn't finish his chances. I think he's, like, 14 goals behind where he should have been before we even account for shooting talent that we know he has. And it just seems like it's really clicking for him, and playing with McDavid's been huge. You know, he's a good two-way player. Are they good enough to win the division? Um, They're lucky it's not the toughest of divisions. You know, Calgary doesn't worry me. Vegas, again, the injuries. L.A. has goaltending issues, so I think that's all going to help Edmonton. The team I'm still watching is Seattle, and we've seen Edmonton beat Seattle in you know, head-to-head matchups this season, too. And, you know, we've seen some games that are really tough, and Seattle's goaltending would give me concern against McDavid and Dreisaitl in a seven-game series. Yeah. But I want to see what Seattle does at the deadline first because that's a team that has the assets to, to make an impact. And I don't think they go fully on the right now. I think they can make, like, a move that helps them long to long term so if they do at any offensive weapon to give them the star power they're missing i think they're the biggest problem for the oilers but if not maybe they could win their division interesting interesting yeah seattle's uh, a weird like they're they're another team that's really you know they've exceeded all expectations i think like seattle's one of those teams boston for us not Shanna, who, I don't know how she figured that was going to happen. <laughs> but, like, Seattle for me is one of those teams that I, I certainly never expected them to even be in the playoff race, let alone leading the division at the All-Star game. Like, they, their season's been impressive. Yeah. Um, they were a team, I think my prediction for them was to be, like, a Western Conference disruptor that just missed the playoffs, was in the mix the whole time, and just took away points from their opponents. Because I liked how they addressed the offseason. Like, if you look at last year's team, they were elite defensively. If any quality chance got through, the goaltender's a lot of goal. And that, that's, you know, it's crushing, and a game can spiral from there. And they didn't have the goal support, but they changed that. You have another year of Matty Beniers progressing. You add in Burakovsky, who's a good volume shooter, that's a good finisher. You add in a player like Bjergstrand, and, and, who's similar to that. You know, you make necessary changes 
you have players like Yanni Gord playing third line minutes, you know, third line minutes right now while he could move up too. So I like how they address it. I like how they work as a unit. I like that they're greater than the sum of their parts. And it's really interesting because we're seeing like the value of having depth scoring. If your fourth line can put in goals and all of your defensive pairs can, and you know, like that works for them. Goaltending might still be a concern though, which is why I think they need just a bit more goal support, just a bit more star power at the top of their lineup to really make it work down the stretch with the team that they have, you know, assembled. But I like it because I think they're going to force us to think about the game a little differently from the star power of Edmonton and the star power of Colorado that we know you need to win. You know, can you do it with this much balance? Can it work? Like, I just find it really intriguing. Yeah, no, absolutely. They're just a really well-balanced team. And that's the way to put it. They got depth and they're balanced and, We'll see if Martin Jones can uh, can lead this team. He's done pretty good so far, yeah. but there's still a lot of hockey to be played, and the playoffs are a different animal. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Shanna. Hopefully we can chat again real soon. Thanks for having me. There she goes. Shanna Goldman, NHL staff writer for The Athletic and the co-host of the Too Many Men podcast. So good. Her writing's so great all the time. Yeah, Check her out is. at The Athletic. She oh, absolutely. Really good pieces.